Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Last week, Peter ministered on love, the love of God, and that was great. And uh, how many of you know we need to keep that focused all the time? You know, we hear that uh, people talk about faith and all that. But, you know, the, the Word says, you know, and Peter made mention of this, and I thought it was awesome because it's really strong within me. And that is that a lot of times people confess the Word of God, but they're not walking in faith. They think they're walking in faith because they're saying it. That's what the Word says. But yet they're not walking in it. And there's a difference between saying it and actually walking in it. And uh, one of the things that we have to understand is that faith worketh by love. It's by love. There's a power there called love. God is love. That's what the Bible says. And God is love. Uh, it's not just a, a little cliche. It's truth. And we have faith in God. And that faith in God, that trust in God, causes our faith to rise to believe that he will do what he said he'll do. Amen? And so uh, it's been... Uh, Real interesting the uh, last couple of weeks, but uh, uh, how many of you know that my assignment, no one of you know this yet, but uh, my assignment this morning is to minister to you God's word on a subject uh, of anxiety. You know, I saw it taking place in my uh, siblings and so forth this past week, but you know what? I've seen it happening and going on in people's lives for years. Uh, maybe I should say decades. Uh, if anybody has any understanding of anxiety, it ought to be me, uh, because I was that way for most of my life. You know, I, I grew up that way, not even knowing there was such a word, and I just functioned out of anxiety uh, and didn't even know it. I was anxious about everything. The Bible says be anxious for nothing, but I was anxious about everything. Has anybody here besides me been that way? Well, a lot of us have been, and... Uh, I want to minister on that this morning because there's a lot of people and even believers that know what the Word says, yet we live in anxiety. And that's not the way God wants us to live. Amen? How many of you know that anxiety is a thief? Huh? It's a thief. I'll say it again. Anxiety is a thief. Anxiety steals your thoughts. Anxiety steals your peace. Anxiety steals your joy. Anxiety steals your confidence that the Lord is going to do what he says unless you confront it with truth. Unless you take the truth, God's word, and confront the anxiety, it will rob you continuously because that's what it does. It just constantly steals from you. The Greek word uh, of anxiety, it means to divide. It means to separate, to cut into pieces and to tear apart the thoughts and divide them, uh, the constructive thoughts from destructive thoughts. It just sits there and divides and tears apart. And I think this thing is just keeps falling back in is what it is. I'll just turn it up and see if that works better. No, we'll turn it down see if that works. It takes the mind in two different directions, causing anguish in the soul of, every, uh, of the believer. So you can know what the Word says, but yet 
this dividing that comes through this anxiety, this questioning at all times will cause a division to take place from what you know is truth, according to God's word, and, and what's going on in your life. And that's not fun. I mean, you could be at church, you, you know, it's like, this is great and on, just like as James says, you, you get in here, you hear the word, you hear the word, you hear the word, you get built up, you walk outside and forget what manner of man you really are. Because when you were in here, you heard what manner of man you are, according to God's word, that's the truth. You walked outside and anxiety hits you back in the face and you, and you forget all about who you really are. And you, start, and you, and you revert back to this, the, to this fullness of anxiety, shaking and, and wondering and questioning all the time. And God doesn't want that for us. You know, there's a, reminds me of a joke I'd heard one time about a woman, about a wife who was constantly anxious. Uh, she had thoughts of people breaking in her house all the time, and she'd say it to her husband and, and said, I think that somebody's downstairs, and, you know, something was always going on. And uh, one day he got up in the middle of the night and uh, heard something downstairs, so he went downstairs, and when he got downstairs, guess what? There was a burglar in the house. And he says, well, hey, you know, and confronted me. He says, can you do me a favor? And he said, well, what's that? And he said, can I, you go upstairs and let me introduce you to my wife? She's been looking for you for 10 years. <laughs> How many of you know that a thief might steal from you once, but anxiety is steal from you for decades? Recently, uh, there was a World Health, uh, Mental Health Survey on anxiety in 14 countries, over covering 14 countries, and it found that Americans were the most anxious people in all of the 14 countries that were studied. It says, we have more clinical significant anxiety levels than people that live in Nigeria, Lebanon, or the Ukraine, and, so, and, and all the rest of them. I mean, there's some things that go on over there that... that would definitely cause anxiety, but yet here it is in our country with so much abundance, and yet people are still living in anxiety more than all those places. And it says in the last three decades, anxiety disorders have jumped not 100%, not 1,000%, but 1,200%. Anxiety levels have jumped that far. One psychiatrist, a Dr. Leahy, said that the average American teenager today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric, uh, psychiatric patient did in the 50s. Not just a normal person, but somebody who was a psychiatric patient in the 50s, what they were going through and being treated for, teenagers today uh, exhibit that same level of anxiety. Now, I don't know about you, but that's just not right. It's just not right. That's in our country, right here. So, uh, so what are Americans so worried about? Well, according to Gallup uh, organization, uh, they did a poll, and these are the top five things that people are worried about in our country. Number one was personal income. Will I have enough money to survive regardless of what takes place in the future. Notice that? In the future. It's not even here yet, yet that's where they're constantly living in anxiety about tomorrow. They got it today, but how about tomorrow? 
The second thing is, is Social Security. Will Social Security be able to take care of me when I get old? In other words, when you can't do it for yourself any longer, will the system be there so that they will help me? Third thing was possible terrorist attacks. They were uh, being last month, uh, 20th year anniversary of the terrorist attacks. And people were, are constantly concerned and in anxiety about future terrorist attacks. Not the ones that's already happened, but the ones that could happen. Number four was health care. Will it be available in the future? They have it now, but will it be available for me in the future? And if it is, what kind of health care are we looking at? And number five, it was racial uh, relations. What kind of problems will we be faced with in the future dealing with race? Politics wasn't even mentioned. But nevertheless, it's probably number six, you know, but, uh, but these five things is where people in our country are living on a daily basis, and this has got them all shook up. But how many of you know that the Bible does not talk about heaven alone? It also talks about how do we address anxiety? How do we address anxiety? Did you even know it was in the Bible that God's talked and addressed anxiety? Turn with me, if you would, uh, over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 25 where he addressed anxiety. It says there in verse uh, 26, I'll give you a few minutes to get there. You know, as long as I don't talk, the thing doesn't pop. And that, that's pretty good, right? It says in verse 26, it says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they are? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic into your statue? Why take you thought for Ramoth? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glories are not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is, and tomorrow is cast into an oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or withal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the tomorrow shall take thought for things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now in this passage, Jesus taught us, he says about worry and about anxiety. And you know, as I was reading through that, uh, you know, I, I couldn't help but think about the fact that if worrying was going to take care of it, I'd probably be 10, 12 feet tall. I can't add to one cubic, you know, to my statue by worrying. I can't add money to the bank account. I can't do any of that except maybe add ulcers or stay up all night or, or those type of things, dealing with anxiety. And he was saying, you know, that's not the way it works. 
And in these scriptures, Jesus is saying not to be anxious, but he also says some things else. He says, he reminds us that God considers us as the most precious creature of all. We're way more loved, loved than, than the birds of the field. He says, you're most precious. You are my children. And our Heavenly Father loves us, and he'll surely take care of us. Amen? But that's easy to say. It's another thing to wake up in the morning and walk out to the mailbox and find some bills in there or watch something on TV and report. How many of you know the news is never good news? And, uh, you know, you hear one more thing that could happen, on, in, you know, on, on our soil or in the economy or in our health or whatever. Always hearing these things. And... Uh, you know, I looked at it, and I thought, you know, when I was back in 79, 80, if he cares for the birds, surely he cares for me. Now, I meditated on that because, see, I never really had a problem believing that that passage of Scripture was true. I just had a problem believing it was true for me. And when I began to meditate upon it, and I realized, you know, I am born again. God loves me. He, if he didn't love me, he would have never came in that room that night. And I got it deep down with inside of me that he loves me and that he said that he was going to take care of me. And that he meant it. And I believed it. You know what my problem was? I didn't know how he was going to do it. And I wanted to know how. I wanted to know the how. Anybody here besides me want to know the how? I wanted to know how are you going to do this? I believe that you said it. I believe that it was true, but I want to know how you're going to do it. And it was that how you're going to do it, needing to know all these answers to everything that was holding me back. Because it kept coming in there causing anxiety. It kept causing a division. It kept causing, causing the constructive thoughts of his word being attacked by destructive thoughts that came from the devil. And that's where my problem was. How's God going to do it? And you know, that was in 79, and here it is uh, many years later, 2021, and I, I'm having to uh, I understand that it's not a one-time read. It's not a one-time meditating on God's Word. You need to meditate on these things on a consistent basis. It needs to become so much you that my God's going to take care of all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, that it's just second nature. You can hear whatever they say on TV, but it's like, no, God's going to take care of me. It may happen in the world, but my God caused quail to come out of the sky one time, caused manna to come out of the sky for, for years, water from a rock. My God's famous for this stuff. And it needs to get in here. Yeah, you hear what's taking place. Economists, newscasters, and all that. But it comes to a place where if you meditate on his word and stay there, then you get a glimpse of God's love for you. Remember what I said earlier. Faith worketh by what? Love. And as you begin to look and see that God's already provided for us. He's already done it. He took care of the birds, took care of the fields. He takes care of you. And when that gets really down inside, 
the question keeps coming back, well, how's he going to do it? And it's like, I don't know how he's going to do it. I just know he's going to do it. And the more you meditate on it, because see, if he'll take care of those birds, he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of me. I'm one of his children. I may even be one of his favorites. What are you laughing about? And so I continued to meditate on it over and over and over. Not just one time, but continually. And when I ride down the road and somebody's not calling me on the phone or it gets quiet, I don't really listen to the radio or uh, anything much uh, ever on the, on the thing. I can drive from here to Texas, and Marsha will tell you. Uh, I don't hear anything. Most of the time, I don't even want to hear her. I just want to be quiet. You know, I mean, not being ugly, I'm just being honest. You know, she sleeps, you know, so that's, that's fine. <laughs> As I began to meditate upon that, it started out that God's going to meet my needs. I thought of it as an immediate thing. God's going to meet this need that I have that's due Friday. Then it got to where it was God's going to meet as I continued to meditate on it over time, that God's already took care of my needs, and it got to become a progressive meditating and understanding and and it being opened up more and more to me that he's already provided to the point that some years ago, probably 20 three or four years ago, I'd gotten a revelation that not only has God provided for me, but he provided for all humanity throughout all the ages. And he did so before he ever created Adam. And that shocked me. Also put a skip in my walk. When I really understood that he has not ever created any more trees since the beginning, which was before Adam. That all the wood that I would ever need, all the paper I would ever need, anything that was dealing with with shrubs or whatever, all the fruit, all the vegetables, all of that was provided. He set it in motion before he ever created Adam. And when I began to see that all the the cattle and all the the the, the lambs and the, all of those things, the things that the beef and all that we would need to eat was all provided before Adam. And as I began to meditate on it more and more, see, that's why we need to meditate on it more than just, can you meet my needs by Friday? And I come to a place where my asking God to get up and do something because I got a need, I, I, it all changed because he already did it. He already has. What I have to do is receive what he already did. And that, that, just, that comes because you continually stay before him about it. Now, I didn't really have any religious traditions uh, pertaining to uh, would God meet my needs. I didn't have uh, those religious traditions. Sometimes people say, well, you know, God, he's not going to provide for you. You know, you, he gave you strength. You need to get out and work. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, and you do need to get out and work. And you do need to have a job. You need to need to be disciplined and handle your finances correctly. But at the same time, there's people that think that money was evil. When I was growing up, a lot of people thought that money was evil. They got preached to from the pulpit that says money is the root of all evil. And we know that's not true. I knew it wasn't true. 
I thought it was the biggest sham I ever heard. I thought, well, how could it be evil? Everybody wants it. Matter of fact, church people want it. And the pastor would get up and he would minister and say that money is the root of all evil. And it's not true. It was the love of money is the root of all evil. But they said and presented it in a manner that money was the root of all evil. And everybody that I ever worked for never turned down their raise. Saying, no, that's evil. I don't want it. They would be angry if somebody got a nickel an hour more than they got. So they didn't really believe it either. And I'm thinking, I wonder if the preachers know this. That the congregations don't believe this. And they didn't need to because it wasn't true. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But I didn't have those traditions that like that. Matter of fact, I believed that God was for it. I always did. I thought, well, you know, God, he's not upset with us having any money. So it never was hard for me to believe that. No more than it was when people said, well, you know, God's trying to teach you something. That's why he put sickness on you. I thought, well, we all need to get a little bit smarter than that and learn before sickness comes. You know, and I'm like, somebody would say, well, you know, God gave me cancer. I'm like, why? Hey, he's trying to teach me something. Well, when are you going to learn? It just didn't make sense to me. And it, it hindered me uh, hearing people say that. But see, none of that stuff is, is right. So I didn't have those traditions. But the answer that I needed was found in verse 33. And it said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Well, you know what? That's not something that I did. I didn't practice that back before. I went to church on Sunday. And I left thinking I've done my duty for the week. I didn't meditate on the word. But when the Lord came in that room that night, I began meditating on the word. I began to see things from a different light. And this is one of those things. I knew God was real. I knew his word was true. I needed to know what I need to do, God. And one of the things, like I said before, is how are you going to do it? This is how he chose to do it. Seek me first. Seek the kingdom first. And my righteousness and all of this is going to come. And so my question then was no longer how is God going to do it. My question now was is, well, how do you do that? Well, how do you seek the kingdom of God? Well, how do you seek his righteousness? So my question changed. Because I wanted to do it. And I'm here to tell you this. If you're asking, how do I seek his kingdom? You're on your way. Are you hearing me? If you're seeking God saying, you know, God, how do I seek your righteousness? How does this go about? You're already seeking him. Stay with it. Continue down that path. That's where you need to go. So, the apostle Peter, along with uh, other disciples one day, was in a boat. Jesus said, go to the other side. And so, they were going to the other side. Jesus, meanwhile, went back in the back of the boat and went to sleep. And y'all know the story. A storm came upon it, the, the waters, and, and it was filling up the boat. Jesus is asleep. And they're in there bailing water out left and right. And finally, Peter goes and wakes him up and says, don't you care? Don't you care? And the same guy that said, don't you care, I want you to know he wrote 1 Peter. Can we put that up there? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. 
I'll go ahead and read. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered. Say scattered. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia. These people were scattered. Why were they scattered? Here it is, Peter speaking to people that's just running everywhere. They're scattered everywhere. These Christians had been scattered because of persecution. They had to leave their family. They had to leave their hometowns. They had to leave their friends. They lost their jobs. They lost their possessions. They were seized. All because of their faith. The circumstances which seemed to create a lot of stress and fear and anxiety in people's lives. And Peter is speaking to these people that are scattered everywhere, and he tells them this in, in chapter 5, in verse 6. It says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that you may exalt you, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now here's a guy that's been in the boat that was going down. Wakes up Jesus, don't you care? He's learned something. And he says to start with, he says, humble yourself. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that you may exalt, he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. So how, how do you go about it? You cast all your care on him. Peter knew that there was, there was lots of reasons for anxiety. He knew when he wrote this in chapter 5 that people were stressed out. And I think he wrote it for the 21st century just as he wrote it for the people back then. And, you know, and Holy Spirit inspired this into him. And Peter told him, said, the very first thing you need to do is humble yourself under God. How many of you realize that Peter was probably the least humble of all 12 of them? Huh? He was probably the least humble. As a matter of fact, Peter had an attitude that, that he'd just take care of it himself. I'll just take care of it. I'll do it. He wasn't one that was prone to just turn things over and say, God, I'm just casting this off on you. No, he wouldn't do that. He was one of those that have a tendency to rely upon their own selves, rely upon their own intelligence, their abilities uh, to handle a situation through their own strength. That was Peter's attitude. Yet the very first thing he says in order to get rid of the anxiety, the cares about the, the things of this world, casting all your cares on him is the very first thing you need to do is humble yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God. Go ahead and say, you know what, God, I, I, I got to turn this over to you. Has anybody ever been there fighting all the time just to find yourself still too weak to do it? Still pushing it, still pushing, still trying to do it, still trying to do it. Thinking, well, you know, I can do this. I can handle this. Well, the first step is to humble yourself. Following the verse is powerful. It says Peter reminded the Christians that, that uh, what would happen if they didn't. I thought that was interesting. If you looked at verse 8, it says, Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He said, if you're not willing to humble yourself, and if you're not willing to to turn it over to me, casting all of your care, not just some of them or the hard ones, but all of them over to me. Let me just tell you what's going to happen. Sound like a voice of experience. He said, you better be sober. You better be vigilant. In other words, do not let the things of this world intoxicate you. 
Don't let these things get you to a place where you can't discern properly what's going on. There are the voices that you hear. He said, because there's a devil out there, there's an adversary that walks around like a roaring lion just looking for somebody to take down. That's what he was saying. He says, this is your options. Humble yourself or be took down. And he wrote this to Christians, by the way. So we, we really need to get a hold of this, that anxiety is a, a thing that will take you down. And it's not of God. And he doesn't want us to walk in that. He wants us to walk in peace. So the very first thing he said was, acknowledge God. Give, give him everything. He said that the devil will walk around and stalk you. He's just looking for a way to get to you. An open door. And you're the one that opens the door. It's not, it's not the Father. In verse 9, though, it says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions and accomplished, are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He said the same thing's happening everywhere you go. Don't think you're the only one that has to deal with this. Because that's what the devil wants you to do, is isolate you and, think, and say to you, nobody's got this problem, it's just you. And you don't need to tell anybody, because you tell anybody, they're going to look down on you because... You're so weak. And that's the kind of things he does because he's a liar. And that's what liars do. And it gets you to where you want to keep it all to yourself and you feel, well, you know, I don't just know what to do. I don't even want to go to God about this because I should be bigger than this. And I know what the Word says, yet I'm having to deal with it. You, why don't you just go and get with the Lord and say, Lord, I need help. I'm having trouble just casting it on you. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's pride in my life. I don't know if it's... Uh, I think that you'll reject me because I'm not stronger than this. Believe me, God knows you better than you. Just go ahead and do it. Just give it to him. And you will see that you're not alone. There's other people in this whole world that's been dealing with this stuff. And not only dealing with it now, but they've been dealing with it from the beginning. From the beginning. And the Lord is not mad at any of them. He knows the enemy came to do this. The Apostle Paul, with the same issues, he brought up and, and made mention about things of anxiety as well. As a matter of fact, he wrote from a prison cell the book of Philippians. And in Philippians, in verse 4, he says to him, in chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderations be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I think he said that the second time for me. Because, you know, I heard you the first time, but you were saying it the second time because you really wanted me to get this, that I need to rejoice. And why would we rejoice? You rejoice when you know that it's true. And if we'll do it, if we get a hold of the truth, then you can rejoice. If it's just some Christian cliche, rejoice, you still look at it as, the, but the problem's still there. You have yet to see that God has actually took care of it. But he tells us in these few verses here, something that we really, really, really need to get a hold of, and that's what today's thrust of message is going to be. So all this is kind of a warm-up 
to what God's saying to us today because I can tell you that that's what the Word says, but how do we do it? How are you going to do it, God? And God's Word explains every bit of it. He says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So how, what's the how-to? In verse 8, it says this, Finally, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So tell me something. What is true? What is honest? What is just? What is pure? What is lovely? What is of a good report? What is something that is full of virtue and praise? Does anybody know? How about God's Word? His Word. What did God's Word say? Now, He's told us that this is the way out. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, think on that. Whatsoever things are lovely, think on that. Whatsoever things are just, think on that. Whatsoever things are pure, think on that. And if you don't think on what is lovely and pure and just, if you don't think about uh, what is truth, let me tell you something. The devil will try to get you to think on some other things, which are exact opposite of these things. So if you're not thinking about what the Word says, then it's quite obvious you're thinking about what the world says and what the devil wants to plant within you. There's that division, that separation that comes. Well, does that mean we've got to think on the Word all the time? Yeah. What did God say about every situation? What did God say? What did His Word say? You know, many years ago, and uh, actually I saw it this morning, in December of 1979, I received my first Bible. How about that? I had a little missile that we had used in the Catholic Church when we'd go to, to, to Mass. And that was about that particular day. But I never really had my own Bible. And so my brother-in-law had, and his wife had, had gotten me a Bible for Christmas. And uh, probably wasn't something I really wanted, but it was something I really needed. Okay, I mean, I probably would have liked to have a pair of shoes, a coat, you know, a new gun or something. But they gave me a Bible. And in the front of the Bible, I opened it up and I read it this morning. It says, our wish, our Christmas wish for you is found in 3 John verse 2. How many of you know I had no clue there was a 3 John verse 2? Much less what it said. I had no idea. I'd only, I mean, this was like a month, not even a month after the Lord had come in that room that night. So I didn't have a clue about nothing. I hadn't been to church or anything. I'm just like, well, well, what are we doing? Well, I found out that there's four key things that the Apostle Paul gave in these little verses of Scripture here in Philippians. Four things that he made mention of to overcome anxiety. And it's all found right there in verse 8. Every bit of it. If you want to overcome anxiety in your life, Philippians 4, 8. It'll do it every time. If you will just be obedient to Philippians 4, 8, all anxiety will leave. He said this, basically, know God's will. Know God's will. How many of you realize that in God's will you'll know the truth? The Word tells you the truth, 
And if the word tells you the truth, then that's what you need to know. The word of God does what? The will of God is honest. It's just. It's pure. Everything that you'll need to know is in the word of God. And so here it was. I got my Bible. I'm looking at it. And I know that I ought to look up 3 John verse 2. took me a while to figure out where it was at. I found it. It was simple. It says, Beloved, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thou soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Wow. So whatsoever things are true, whatever things are true, here he is, he's saying something to us here. And I'm like, okay. And I meditated on that and I thought, well, this sounds great. I didn't understand it. But something leaped with inside of me and I knew this verse was true, but I didn't have not one iota of understanding of what this actually meant. I thought it was a great thing that maybe God really did love me so much that he really wanted me to prosper. That he didn't want me to be poor. He didn't want my children to be poor. He didn't want us to do without. He really wanted us to prosper. I, I was like, could it really be that God would want us to prosper? Could it really be that he wanted us to be in health? Surely. I mean, does he really want us to be in health? And I, of course, I didn't read the other part, even as thy soul prospered. That was happened after I began meditating on the Word. And over a period of time, I'm meditating on that Word, just on where it was at. See, the first part of it began, could it possibly be true? I know God said it, that He doesn't want me to be poor, that He wants me to be blessed. I didn't want to be blessed so that I could give. I wanted to be blessed to get out of the mess I was in. Good part was, is as I continued to meditate on the Word, I realized that God not only wanted to take care of my mess, He wanted to prosper me to the point that I could be generous to other people. I realized that God said in His Word over 200 times that we should give to the poor. Now, how in the world can a guy that can't pay his own bills give to the poor? He was the poor. So guess what? As I continued to meditate upon this word, I began to realize that God wants to do something in me bigger than meet my need. So he wanted to prosper me. And I began to start seeing things in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 18. It says, it is God that giveth thee power to get wealth so that his covenant could be established in all the earth. And it started going off inside of me, and I began to realize, you know what? God wants to prosper me. But how's he going to do it? But how's he going to do it? Is he going to get me a better job? Well, that wasn't the case, because every time I took a, another job, I took a cut in pay. I'm like, okay. And we weren't dealing with any kind of physical issues in our body. So guess what? I never really thought about the part and being health. But I, this other part grabbed a hold of me as I began to continue to meditate on it for the last 40 years. 
40 years, I still meditate on that particular little verse. I've come to realize a lot of things. I realize that it's truth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. What truth? The truth that God wants me to prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. He wants me to be walking in truth. He said he rejoiced in it. Even as thou walkest in truth. See, it's more than just hearing the, the truth. It's more than just quoting the truth. It's about walking in the truth. We need to get beyond hearing Get into doing. John 8 31 says this says, Then said Jesus unto the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I'm like, wow. So whatsoever things are what? True. Think on those things. And he said, if you'll continue in my word, then you're my disciples. And what? The truth. And you shall know the truth if you'll continue in it. And that truth will make you free from anxiety. Are you hearing me? It's about walking in the truth, living in the truth, knowing the truth, doing the truth. It'll make you free. How many of you know that common sense, as rare as it is today, will still keep you bound to this world system. Huh? Common sense. It's pretty good. The world lacks a lot of it right now, especially in our country. But even as good as it is, it'll still keep you bound to the natural realm. The truth sets you free to live where we were created to live, and that is in the supernatural. Truth does that. There is no bound. In that same verse of Scripture, Jesus was saying this. There were some Jews there, and they were saying, they were mocking him, basically, and said, well, Abraham is our father. Abraham's our father. And he said this in verse 37. He says, I know that you are Abraham's seed. I know that he was your seed. But you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. He said, because you don't have any truth in you, you want to kill me. I know who your daddy was. I know who your granddaddy is. But if you had the truth, like Abraham had the truth, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. But because you don't have the truth, you want to kill me. He said, you have no word. My word hath no place in you. How many of you realize that as you meditate on the word, whatsoever things are true, you've given it place. And you cast out the other. Because they both can't be there. One is going to rule the other. No man can serve two masters, right? You're getting rid of that other one. Because truth now has come in living and dwelling there. And God wants us to rejoice in the Lord and to rejoice in him always. Remember, Jesus, Peter, and Paul repeatedly said, do not be anxious, do not worry. So guess what? When we're gloomy, we've become critical, when we find ourselves negative, when we're always complaining, 
We need to examine ourselves because something must be wrong. Huh? Ain't everybody else. They just being them. But when we find ourselves that way, it's quite obvious that something has gone wrong in me. So you know what? I realized at an early age, I needed some help. I needed some help with this because anxiety was eating my lunch. I found out about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Can you imagine that? All the people that we went to church with at that little church, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they seemed like good people. And they all told me that I needed the baptism, but I was still skeptical of it because I'd never been around anything like tongues before. They were nice. I liked everything. Tongues was just another thing. I was like, I don't know. I've seen some strange things. I've been in some strange places. I've been in places that you, not, you shouldn't go. And I never heard nobody talk in tongues. I've been in some real bad places. Nobody there talked in tongues. They said a lot of things that we don't talk and use, some language we don't use, but I just never heard anything like that. I'd visited a few Baptist churches growing up, you know, going with my friends to their church. I'd never been to a spirit-filled church, and the whole speaking in tongues thing just really whew, took me back. I thought I was freaking out. I thought I'd lost my mind. But, you know, as I began to study the Scriptures, I knew that these people were nice people. And I'm like, how could they be so nice and be evil speaking in tongues? So I didn't really put down tongues. I just didn't understand it. I didn't want it. And then when I realized and studied on what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what are the benefits of speaking in tongues? I'm like, can I just be baptized in the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues? I did. I asked God that. I said, I really don't know if I want that. So can I have it without speaking in tongues? And you know what? I got it. Because I asked for it. Then I realized what tongues did. So I asked for that. And I received. So the Bible says... Believe you receive when you ask, does it not? So why should I doubt that he gave it to me without speaking in tongues? Because my prayer was honest. It was from the heart. I let my request be known unto him, and I believe he gave it to me. But I desired also when I realized the benefits of having Holy Spirit living in my life, I said, I need to speak in tongues. And that happened because I began to, what? Seek his word, staying in his word, staying in his word, reading his word. What do you say about this? And as I continued to study and realized that tongues was as much for me as John 3.16 was, guess what happened? I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but not only that, evidence of speaking in tongues. But I didn't stop there either. I mean, it was good to speak in tongues. They all spoke in tongues, but I wanted to go further. I mean, my goodness, if he gave his tongues and it was good, then how about the gifts of the Holy Ghost? I want them. I wasn't taught that you couldn't have all of them, so I just claimed them all. I want the word of wisdom operating in my life. Lord, I thank you that a word of knowledge operates in my life. Lord, I thank you that the gift of faith operates in my life. And I just named all nine of them. And I did it every single day. Every day I got up and I prayed. And I thank God for those gifts operating in my life, the working of, of miracles operating in my life, the healing the sick operating in my life. 
Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Prophecy. Discerning the spirits. I named them every single day for years. Thanking him for those gifts operating in my life. Then I was told, oh, but you only get one. And I said, no, that ain't the way it works. Oh, well, yeah, but you only get one or a couple of them. That's what God does. And I'm like, no. You know what the best gift is, don't you? The one you need at the time. I wanted all of them. I wanted them all. And so I believe I received all of them to work in my life as Holy Spirit moves, right? But I wanted all the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't want to just speak in tongues. I wanted the gifts to be there too because, see, I understand that God's gifts will make us free. His truth. Jesus said the truth will make you free. Well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will help that. It works with it. And I wanted it. I wanted the Holy Spirit to be my teacher. I, I didn't know that he, could, he was going to be my teacher. As I continued to meditate upon the Word and seek His Word, like we read a few minutes ago, thinking about whatever so things are true and lovely, good reports of what Holy Spirit was that. I found in John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Well, I needed that because on somebody that had been doing drugs for eight years straight every single day needed help. I needed all the help I could get remembering what God said. I think he restored my memory and brought it to a place I can remember dates and times and even what we had for lunch. Because I asked him and I believe that I received. I realized that Holy Spirit was to be my comforter and I needed some comforting. But not only just to be a comforter as some people would think, but a counselor, a helper, an advocate, an intercessor, a strengthener, and a standby. And it says here, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. I needed the Spirit of truth living and dwelling in me. Why? Because that's what I want. Truth will cast out this anxiety. I needed this truth living in me. Not only that, I need him to be my God. He said he'd be our guide. I'm like, I need a guide. I need somebody to help me walk this path because I keep getting lost on the path. I keep seeing all these detours and, and yields and roads closed, all kind of stuff I'm hearing out there. You can't go there. You can't go there. I needed Holy Spirit to be my guide and show me and take me where man said we couldn't go. Are you hearing me? Because there's a lot of things that man in tradition would say, well, I don't believe that. But God's word said it. Well, that was for back then. Well, I don't know about you, but we need healing for today. We need the gifts of the Spirit as much today as we ever needed. And, you know, casting out devils? Yes, sir, because they hadn't gone anywhere. They're still here. So we need to be able to do that as much now as we ever have. He said he will guide you into all truth, the whole truth, the full truth. But he'll not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears the Father say. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you things that are to come that will happen in the future. That's the way the Amplified says. You know what? I looked at that, and I said, I need this. That's an advantage. Even somebody that was kind of slow at the time realized that if I knew the things that were going to happen in advance, I could prepare for it. I could walk in obedience and get a head start on it. 
How many of you like to know things to come? Huh? Well, that's what Holy Spirit's for. So I wanted Holy Spirit. I wanted him to tell me things to come. I wanted him to show and reveal things to me so that I can go ahead and step out and move in that direction and be ready for when that day comes. I'm like, hey, I knew it was going to happen anyway. We're already prepared. We did, and we set things in motion ahead of time. When I first came back here to pastor, the Lord said to me, I want you to do this, this, and this. He says, you're in seven years of plenty right now. And there will be seven years of hard times that are coming. That was 2001. Guess what happened in 2008? Good times were over for a lot of folks. Bad times came in for another seven years. Holy Spirit revealed that to me. 14 years before it happened. Didn't take me off surprise. And you notice I didn't get up here and tell nobody it was going to happen either. Because I also have learned you don't have to tell everybody what God's told you. It'll get you in trouble. They will mock you, criticize you, do all kind of things. Yeah, you're right, right, right. I've been hearing all that. Just let it go. Don't worry about it. I remember one time Elaine Turner and I was riding by, uh, was, uh, it's 143. What's that, Grandview Road? We were going down, coming from that direction. I don't know where we were at. We were going down through there. And we were going down the road there, and you may remember it. I, looked, I said, you see that right over there? She said, yeah. I said, that's a golf course. Really? I said, yep. And I said, and right there's a daycare center. Go up there and see what's up there. Didn't you remember that? It was in, I think it was a Volkswagen or something. I said, there's a golf course going to be right there. Say, well, what good did it do for God to tell you that? It did something inside of me when they started building a golf course, I can tell you that. Huh? Might have not meant anything to her, meant a lot to me. I heard that voice. I knew that was God. It built your faith up to be listening for that still small voice because God's going to show you things to come. And if he'll show you a golf course, surely he'll tell you about tomorrow. He may not reveal how it's all going to happen, but he'll prepare you for tomorrow. I like this. I need an advantage. The Bible says that joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So when we lose that joy, we should be wondering if Holy Spirit is leading our life or have we taken the reins. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just and pure and good report, I like that pure part. In other words, whatsoever things are not contaminated. Pure. It's not contaminated with the world's thinking and all that. Think on these things. Don't be thinking about the contamination things. It's going to rob and take from you. So when I don't feel that joy inside, and I feel uneasy, I have to stop and ask myself, have I taken the reins back? Is Holy Spirit leading my life or have I taken the reins? I guarantee you, you'll find out you took the reins back. Number two. First one was know God's will, and that is study the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Meditate on the Word. You've got to just get in there and get it and get it and get it. Second thing is ask God for help and worship Him. Ask God for help. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
Sometimes difficult situations cause us to be anxious. And when that happens, we need to go to God. Ask Him for help. Give thanks for, for what He's done and for what He's doing because He's a loving Father. Present your request to Him. And don't just go to Him and say, Lord, here's these requests. I'm, I'm giving you my, my list. But worship Him. You know what happens when you worship Him? You can't worship a God, truly worship God, about meeting your needs without you really believing that he met your needs. You took it to him, and out of worshiping God, it becomes more and more real to you that he's actually done what he said he was going to do, yet it has yet to manifest before you. So the manifestation process has got to come because it's so alive within you, and you're in agreement with God. It's going to show up. When we do that, God will replace the anxiety with peace, which transcends all of our understanding. So when you worry, worship God. When you're burdened, bow before Him. When anxiety seems so heavy, leave your anxiety with Him. Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Remember, ask God for help, not as a last resort, but as a first response to all anxiety. Don't wait till it's got you beat up, go on and start when you first start feeling, just say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but this is bothering me. I need to talk to you about it. I needed, I heard what they said on the news, and, and, and that's quite kind of disturbing, and, and it kind of looks like that could happen. I see the plot. I see how they want to do that. I see how they want to put the mark of the beast in us, how they want to take away our ability to, to, to use cash and put a chip in our hand or something like that, how they're going to take your job away from you, how they're going to do this. I see what the world system, how it's kind of shifting in that direction. I could see where something 30 years ago could not even be comprehended, but now I can begin to see how they might could do it. Well, they'll just lose their job if they don't get vaccinated with a chip. They won't have any income. They won't be able to eat. Won't be able to get any health care, can't go on a plane, can't do this. I can see how the Lord, I see something there. I want to get with you now. Alan, I'll take care of you regardless. If I could cause a raven to go to the king's palace and take meat off his plate and bring it to you by the brook, I can surely take care of this as well. Yes, sir. I don't need to wait to get beat up and beat down and, and afraid. No, you start now when those thoughts come. Whatsoever things are pure, true, lovely, good report, think on these things. <clears throat> Probably one of the most important part of all of this is number three, and it's meditating on the Word. I made mention of that several times, but you, can't, you just can't help but just realize that this is it. Meditate on the word. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. So if you're not thinking about those things, guess what? The devil's right there, and he's not going to flee. Why? Because you've not submitted yourself to God. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. What do you think is happening when you're not thinking upon those things which are truth and lovely and just 
and pure? What have you done? You've opened yourself. You've given place for the devil to come in and cause anxiety in your life, cause doubt to come in, cause fear to come in, come in and say, well, I know that's what the Bible said, but. Oh, so anxiety is there to divide me, separate me, try to separate me from the love of God. That's what it's after, to separate you from his love. Because faith in God works by God's love and recognizing that love that he has for us. It says, let him that steal no more, steal, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. In other words, whatever's coming out of your mouth better be what's lovely and true and a good report and all these things. And if you don't, you've given place to the devil. That's what he said. You can get mad at God over that one. But he went on and told us in Ephesians 6 how to go about doing it. He says, put, a whole, put on the whole armor of God. Quit talking about the whole armor of God. Quit playing about it. Quit polishing it up and hanging it in the closet. Put it on and don't take it back off. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Stay focused. Realize what we're doing here, what we're having to deal with. Instead of meditating on the problems that, that make us anxious, we need to meditate on the things that come from God's word, the Bible. What did the Bible say about it? What did God say? The more we put God into our hearts and believe uh, what his word says, the less we worry with anxiety. It's, it's just not there. The Bible gives us a proper understanding and a perspective of God, a God of love. It gives us a proper understanding of who we are, children of God. It gives us a proper understanding of the difficulties that we deal with every day. It is John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to, to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. It starts putting things in its proper perspective. So if it didn't come in alignment with what God's will is for my life, I don't really need to have it. We need to get it out. And meditating on the Word does that. We know, for example, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things, uh, we know that in all things God works for good to those that love Him who are called according to His purpose. So when you're faced with something and something's going bad, well, you know what? It didn't look too good for me, but I'm trusting God, and this is going to work out to good. I know it didn't start out very good, and maybe God didn't even want me to be there, but it's going to end good. Why? Because I'm acknowledging him, I'm casting it all on him, and it's going to work out good. Yeah, but Uncle Fred said all that, and it didn't work. That was Uncle Fred. I'm not Uncle Fred. This is what the Word said. I'm sticking with it. And I've gotten too old now to really care how you think about it. How about that one? What are you going to do? Psalms 121, 1 and 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. And then number four, we have to do this. This is the fourth thing we have to do to get anxiety and keep it out of our life. And that is, put it into practice. Put God's word into practice. James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the world and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. My goodness, is that not just a mouthful in itself? Hearing, 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 but never doing, we only deceive ourselves. 
We quote it. We tell other people about it. Oh, the preacher preached a good one today. You should have been there. Quoting it back, what I said is not going to help you. Doing what the word says is going to help you. For if any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein. Continue therein doing what? Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are trust, truth, whatsoever things, that. Continuing in it, he is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And this man, this man, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Whatever he's doing, whatever he puts his hand to will be blessed. Matthew 4, 4. When Jesus was being tempted after fasting 40 days in the wilderness, the devil came to tempt him. He said, change these stones into bread. I know you're hungry. How many of you know, surely Jesus was hungry. After 40 days? Well, sure. Most of us are hungry after 40 minutes. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. How many of you know God's still talking today? We have his logos right here in our laps, on your iPad, your phones and all. His written words right there. But he also speaks rhema words. And the rhema word would come and say this, that you will do this and you will do that. And you could go over here and read this Bible from one end to the other and you'll never see that particular verse in there. Because it's a rhema word for you. A rhema word for you. A rhema word for you. And it don't matter what everybody else says. God speaks to us. He speaks to us in dreams. He speaks to us in visions. He speaks to us through the word. He speaks to us through prophets. And it doesn't make any difference whether it's written here or whether it came in a dream or as it did to Solomon and many other people or came in a vision like it did to some of the apostles. It was still God. It was still God. And we have to come to a place where we realize that that book, that Bible that's in your lap, is just as much God as if God himself was standing there. That's something to really meditate on a while. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? And it goes on and it talks about the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word. And in verse 14 it says, and it became flesh and dwelt among us. That's not just a book. It's alive. It's God. How many of you know the word that you speak? The word that you act upon. I'll say that again. The word that you speak, the word that you act upon is the word that is alive within you. You want to know what's alive in you? Listen to yourself. Watch what you're doing. That is what's alive in you. If it could be a word of fear, anxiety, the world's coming to an end, running around. If that's what you're speaking and that's what you're acting upon, that's what's alive within you. Grab a hold of it. Recognize it for what it is. Stop it. You see, it's not about a mental agreement with what God's Word says. It's about doing what God said. 
It's acting on what he said that changes things, not being in mental agreement with him. Acting upon it, doing it. Marsha and I have had to learn to receive before we it manifested. Receive what he said. Yet nothing's there. We praise God for what could not be seen. Calling those things that be not as though they were. Why? Because in the realm of the Spirit, we meditated on God's Word, we believed God's Word more than our circumstances, and we began to see the very thing that we had need of. And it was more real than the lack. <clears throat> it was more real than the sickness. And if He'll do it for us, He'll do it for you. So we call those things that be not as though they were because to us, they were. We're trying to convince anybody else that they were. Didn't care whether you believed that they were. But we call those things that be not as they were because to us, they were. Are you getting that? To us, it was real. And I knew that you weren't going home where I lived. So it needed to be real with us. And that was a huge step of faith. Without the Word of God living in us, we could only hope for a better result. We were hoping many times instead of believing in faith. But as we began to meditate on the Word and act upon the Word and do it, then faith arose. And guess what happened? Things started changing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope doesn't have substance. Hope is an expectation. We expected the better, but we didn't have any substance for the better. Paul said this to the same people he wrote this, whatsoever things, he said, to the Philippians. He said, be confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform into the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6. He said in Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You think Jesus was anxious? He said, let this mind, what mind? The mind of his word, let that be in you. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Let that be inside of you. He said to the Philippians in 3.14, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, which followed after, what? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, report if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And he says, verse 13, five verses later, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, which tells me that if you stick with the word, you meditate on the word, you pursue the word, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And then he goes on just a couple of verses later in verse 19 of, four, of chapter 4. He says, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. How about that? All that surrounded by finally brethren. Then he ends it in verse 9. He says this, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace. The God of peace. For all you football fans, I'm going to leave you with this. Yesterday, watching the game, one of the announcers said, Nick Saban said, and everybody went, 
What did he say? What did he say? Let me tell you what Nick Saban said. You either suffer the pain of discipline or you suffer the pain of disappointment. You either suffer the pain of discipline in yourself to read the Word, to study the Word, to meditate on the Word, to do what the Word says. Either you suffer the pain of doing that Discipline yourself, making yourself do what you don't want to do, or you suffer the pain of disappointment knowing that it could have been yours, but it's not because you would not pay the price. But there is a price, and we're all going to pay for it. So if you're going to have to pay a price, let it be a price of discipline and not a price of disappointment. Amen? With every head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around, you may be here this morning, and you've been having to deal with anxiety issues all of your life. As a matter of fact, it's been so bad that it's just been a way of life to you. You couldn't even imagine thinking about living a life without dealing with anxiety. I want you to know something this morning. God wants you free. It is God's will for you to be free. It is God's will for you not to be worrying and fretting all the time. And the only time you ever get any peace is when you come to church and you get pumped up. Then you walk out the door and you forget who you really are a child of the Most High God. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up real quick. Put it back down. God sees that hand, that hand, that hand. Lots of hands going up. We all have to deal with anxiety, some more than others. But God gave us the same method. All of us have the same method to deal with it. (coughs) You may be here this morning. you don't know how how can this be how can that be and I'm telling you now this recording is free get in there and start seeing it reading it listening to it seek these scriptures out meditate on it day and night day and night don't do it once don't do it twice do it continually his word says do not let this book of the law depart out of your mouth Don't ever let it quit coming out of your mouth what God's Word says. And if you'll do that, you'll be strong and very courageous. And if you'll do that, guess what happens? You'll prosper in whatever you do. Whatever you do will be prosperous. God wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be in health even as, even as your soul prospers. As you continually renew your mind to what God's Word says, all of these other things will take place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, Lord Jesus, you see the things that's taking place on planet Earth at this time. And you've called every one of us for this time in history to be here on planet Earth. Not only did you call us to be here, but you have equipped us, made available to us everything that we have need of to be successful to be a witness for you in this day. So Lord, we receive from you right now strength from your word. We receive your love. We receive what you've made available to us. And Lord, right now, there's those that are here They have to deal with disciplinary problems where they're disciplining their own selves. 
Lord, I thank you right now as they take that to you. That they do so just like your word says. They bring that to you and say, Lord, I've been dealing with discipline myself all my life. I don't want to get up. I don't want to study. I want to, but when it comes time to do it, I change my mind. I slap the alarm clock. I want to watch TV instead of read your word. I want to do this instead of that. Lord, you see that I am just undisciplined and I need discipline myself. I know it's true. I hide it. I'm embarrassed by it. I've even looked in the mirror and called myself lazy. Lord, I'm just giving it to you. Lord, I thank you that you're going to give me strength. I'm asking for strength. Strength where I can discipline my flesh, discipline myself to do what you've called me to do. Because I'd rather have, have to deal with the pain of discipline than the pain of disappointment. Lord, I love you. I trust you. Now, Lord, I just thank you for blessing the people today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. 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 Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Father, thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, thank you for your love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I declare blessings upon the people today. Blessings. 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 In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be dismissed. Uh, I love you. We're going to come back here next week, same time, same place, without anxiety. Amen. Regardless of who's in office, because you know who's running your office, right? Holy Spirit, right? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.